Say, bless the Lord. If you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Good evening, Kairos. Thanks for being here tonight. I think God has something with your name on it. So I'm glad you, you came. Um, Kairos is our honest, unique attempt to connect to God and each other. I'm the pastor here, and we want to be the kind of people who can bring the whole gospel to the whole person anytime, anywhere, with anybody. And we do that through a variety of different ways, and one of the ways that we do that is about once a month, we like to come together to the Lord's table or to take Eucharist, which is a Greek word that simply means thanksgiving, which loosely translated is, hot dog, I got a seat at the king's table. And I can't get over the fact that he's invited me, so I'm going to keep on taking this meal until he comes again. Because that grace is so good, I don't ever want to get over it. So I know in a room this size, there are challenges for all of us to actually come forward and take the Lord's Supper together. But you guys like a good challenge, don't you? So just picture, it's like family reunion, okay? There's going to be a lot of people. There's enough food to go around, but you're going to bump elbows. You may push someone out of the way if you want to get in front of them. That's okay. God will judge you, I won't. Um, but it, it will be this mass of people, and I think there's something sacred and holy about just not sitting with your eyes forward and not interacting with someone, but actually coming forward, locking eyes with someone who's serving you the elements, and locking eyes with your brothers and sisters who are moving and trying to sing and trying to connect with God that gives us a greater awareness of the family of God. That we get to be honored that we've been invited to the table, but remember that we belong at the table if we're the children of God. Um, so we've been uh, moving through Romans chapter 8 uh, the last couple of weeks, and we're going to kind of have a great celebration and uh, final uh, triumphal uh, conclusion to that. Uh, and the way I want to get us our conversation started uh, for the last portion of Romans chapter 8 so I'm going to give you a quote, and then I'm going to do a late-night bit for you. You're welcome. Um, so a late-night talk show bit. I just realized how that sounded, so let me adjust that. Um, here's the quote. Uh, N.T. Wright is a scholar I've been reading with uh, Romans chapter 8, and this one just caught me uh, this week. I thought it was so profound. He said, even if the clouds of present suffering hide the sun for a while, the unshakable evidence of God's love is seen in Christ's death. And so that's, again, why we come to take the elements. It's why we come to symbolize us ingesting the body and blood of Jesus Christ to show his death until he comes. And I know some of you walked in here underneath a cloud of suffering and trouble and hardship. And even if you can't see God's glory in the midst of your present circumstances, that's why we're coming to the table to remind you that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Now for the late night bit, uh, this may show my age, but then you guys know who Johnny Carson is, right? He's like the father of late night stuff. Well, he had this character called Karnak the Magnificent, all right? And uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. I don't know how he pulls it off. Uh, he, he, what he does is he comes out and he acts like he can divine the questions, and so he'll, he'll hold an envelope up to his face, and he'll say, the answer is, and then he rips the envelope, do you remember this? And he blows, and he pulls out a card and says, the question is, and they're usually like little puns or jokes, like he'll go, the answer is Timbuktu, the question is, what comes after Timbuk1? You're not like, uh-huh. The answer is, um, until they get caught, 
The question is, how long are congressmen allowed to serve? You know, it has <laughs> things like that. Those are the only appropriate ones I can share with you. Um, he, he would also put a curse on people when the audience would la wouldn't laugh at his bad jokes, which um, I'm not above doing either, so <laughs> fair warning. But if I was to take the envelope for our text tonight that we're about to jump into, I would tell you that the answer is no one. And as we're going to pull the question out in the scripture tonight, the question is, who can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord? And we're just going to repeat and saturate that tonight in God's word. So Romans chapter 8, and we'll begin reading in verse 31. Let me pray for us as we dive into scripture. Jesus, would you go before us and make a way in this text? Holy Spirit, would you give us all eyes to see and ears to hear? And together we say, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Amen. Romans chapter 8, and we'll start in verse 31. So listen in for the four rhetorical questions that Paul's going to ask us in this passage, the author of Romans. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angel nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. Yeah. All right, so I want to do something different tonight. I know that may be too many different things uh, for you guys. It'll be different next week. So if this is your first time, welcome. Come on back. It'll be a totally different <laughs> experience. Again, when it's Eucharist night, we like to scale it down uh, as far as our instruments to remind us that the congregation's voice wants to be always the loudest instrument in our worship. So again, it's great to hear you guys sing. I love how our worship pastors are pastoring us through that. And so let's get robust worship going here. And then when we come to the table, uh, the reason it's center is because it de deserves to be center. And I'm working around it, and I just want to try to set the table through Scripture so that we can come to the King's table together. And I honestly just want us to saturate ourselves in that passage, and I want you to participate a little bit with me. So what Paul has just done is he's given us four questions in a funeral, a funeral for your self-hatred, your self-help, and your self-imposed isolation from God. 
Because what can separate us and who can separate us from the love of Christ? No one. That is the clear, resounding, rhetorical answer to every question he's asking in this text. No one. So practice it with me, say it. No one. So we're gonna ask those four questions, read the scriptures surrounding them, and every time I ask it, I'll say, the answer is, and you guys will say, no. you got it? The answer is? No. All right, so we're gonna, let's just work our way down through this, and I'm hoping some of us in this room tonight will have a goodwill hunting moment where Sean is the counselor talking to Will, and they get to the end of their relationship, and he says, hey, Will, you know this is not your fault. Yeah, yeah, I got it. No, that's, it's, it's not your fault. Yeah, yeah, I got it. And he says it four and five times until finally it goes into the wounded place in Will's soul and he actually believes it and experiences it. And we're gonna say no one a lot and you're gonna be like, yeah, I got it. Now it's repetitive. Now it's just annoying. Oh my gosh, no one can separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. So in verse 31, the question is, who can be against us? And the answer is, because God did not spare his own son and graciously gave us all things. And some of those all things are this very spirit, the Holy Spirit that he gave us. And so when we are the children of God who are led by the spirit of God, we realize that we can cry out, Abba, Father. We are free and we don't have to live in fear. And we can receive and we can rejoice in our adoption. Who can be against us? The answer is? Verse 33. Who will bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? The answer is? Because God is both judge and justifier. This is why we preach the gospel to ourselves twice daily. Because we've been charged with bringing God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And men and women, when you decide to do that and live into your identity, all hell will break out around you and against you to keep you from understanding the power and authority you have with the spirit of God as the children of God. But we have to remember, who will bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? The answer is, who will condemn us? The answer is, because Christ has died, Christ was raised again, and right now he's seated at the right hand of the Father doing what? Interceding for us. So Romans 8 is giving us this theological portrait in the heavens right now where Jesus is interceding, the Holy Spirit is pleading, and God is completing the good work that he's begun in us. And the way that he's completing that is by us contemplating the fact that there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And if we're not living under condemnation anymore, we can hope, and the Spirit helps us to hope. And when we have that hope, we can admit that we want help, we need help, and we can wait on help. Who will condemn us? The answer is? Who is able to separate us from the love of Christ? The answer is? Verse 35, because in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Not even trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, the sword, not death, life, angels, demons, present, future, powers, height, depth, anything on God's green planet will be able to separate you from the love of Christ that's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Who can separate us from the love of Jesus? The answer is... Now, hopefully what I've done is raise your spiritual temperature 
to understand the spiritual realities that are available to you in Christ Jesus. But let me pull the e-brake real quick and whip the steering wheel and do a 180 because I want to make sure that this nuance is held up real high. This is not the triumphal battle cry we shout once the war is over and we're victorious. This is the exuberant cry of the faithful who are still suffering. This is the courageous cry of men and women on the battlefield, wounded warriors and healers, bloody, bruised, and battered, and broken, but who boldly lock eyes with one another, and as the flag of Jesus marches on, they whisper, no one, no one will separate us from the love of Christ. To live is Christ, and to die is gain, and no matter what my circumstances are, I can be confident that no one will ever separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8 is the missional manifesto of the kingdom of God. It is not our personal insurance policy against inconvenience, inadequacy, and insecurity. In fact, all those will probably come when you decide to advance the kingdom of God. Suffering comes as a result of proclaiming the gospel, which by its announcement declares that Jesus is Lord, and therefore it is a challenge to every other lordship in your life, and in my life, in our country's life, and in our world's life. If Jesus is Lord, then that is a challenge against every other thing we worship and bow down to. So my question for you guys tonight is, if Jesus is Lord, then what in the list that Paul just gave us is most challenging to the lordship of Jesus in your life right now. We're gonna put that list up on the screen. And what I want you to do is look at it and say, now which one is your someone that you need Jesus to turn into no one? Which thing is your something that you need Jesus to turn back into nothing that will be able to separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord? So we usually take about 120 seconds to kind of listen and pray to where the Spirit of God might be leading us or prompting us from the Scripture. And so during that time, the band's going to come. They're going to play underneath us. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, because here's what I really want to do. I want to preach through every single one of those words. I want to prophetically pick your pocket. I want to talk about circumstances that I've seen, and I want to try as best I can to, to make that as accessible as possible for you. But as I was praying through this, I just kind of sensed the Holy Spirit go, you put the words of scripture on screen and I'll do the rest. I'm just gonna give you 120 seconds to ask the Holy Spirit, which one is my someone that Jesus wants to turn back into no one? Which one right now is adversity that's threatening me to believe that I'm abandoned? We can handle adversity all day long as long as we don't feel abandoned by the love of Christ. So you ask the Lord which one, and as you pray, you name it, and you confess it, and then you remind yourself of the gospel truth we just sat underneath. No one and nothing can separate us from the love of God. It's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's listen together.
together. Uh, there's some words that we like to say together as kind of our family tradition. This is an excerpt from some of the things that the church has been saying for generations. It's just kind of a way for us to agree on how we can ready our hearts to come to the table with dignity and respect and belonging. So there will be some words on the screen that uh, you guys get to say, and there's be some that I get to say, and then together we will come to the table. Bless the Lord who forgives all of our sins. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. We may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's take a minute in silence to confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. On the night Jesus was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took the bread and when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and he said and gave it to his disciples, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it back to them and said, drink this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. So when you're ready, we'll come and there'll be four tables like this. Audrey, you come and help me. Um, there will be a wafer that's right here like this. And if you just put your palms out in a posture of receiving, someone will place it in your hands and say, the bread of heaven or the body of Christ. And then you'll be offered the cup. If 
you'll pour that for me. It's grape juice, and if you'll just hang on to your wafer, uh, for those of you who are used to common cup, but we're not there yet, um, you'll dip it in, and all my Baptists, there's no extra points for totally submerging, okay? <laughs> you'll dip it in, and they'll say, the cup of salvation. I try to make light of those things because I feel like when we do a sacred sacramental service, some of us get really panicky about what's the right thing to do and what's the wrong thing to do. I don't think there's any right or wrong way to take it as long as you're taking it through Jesus Christ. And so this is our way, and we don't want you to rush. Come to the table, lock eyes with us. We'll say those words, and when you're done, you can say thanks be to God. You can say thank you. You can say no one to remind yourself that no one's gonna separate you from the love of Christ. Or you can just humbly take it and walk back to your seat. So uh, you don't have to carry it back. You can take it right here. Or if you're here with your family, you guys can come around together and we'll get the whole family unit at the same time. Um, there's sealed ones and gluten-free ones. Uh, for those of you who just need that, and that's, that's ministers to your soul, that's here for you. So if you'll just come by and just grab that or ask for that, we'd be happy to hand that to you. Um, but again, our desire is that the family comes together. So if you're in a right relationship with Jesus and you meant those words of confession that we just read, then you come to the table. If you're not in a place where that describes you, there's no shame or judgment. Um, we'd love for you to watch the family eat together and you figure out, again, how you can experience that. We'd love to pray with you. Um, if you feel weird about just sitting in your seat, you can get up and walk around. No one's, it's gonna be chaos, so no one's really gonna notice. We're all gonna be singing and having a good time. Uh, Stephanie's doing de desserts afterwards, so maybe you sneak out and get a dessert before anybody else. It's just that, you know, God's grace is going before you, even if you're not in a place to come to the table. It's important for the family to come together. And it's important for us to be able to get up, walk forward, and taste and see that the Lord is good. And that no one, no one can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Amen? So I'm going to ask the band to come down first so we can serve them so that they can serve us by leading us in music. And then when you're ready, you come. <laughs>